0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Seafood News Roundtable. Here with me again, I have Michael Ramsing, the production editor for SeafoodNews.com. How you doing this week, Mike? Hey, Adam. I'm doing well. Feeling pretty relaxed after uh, Thanksgiving. How about you? About the same, about the same. I think everybody, uh, you know, Thanksgiving is one of those holidays where you always get that four-day weekend in a lot of industries, so it's great to get that Thursday off and spend the weekend with your family.
1: And, and now it's just time for me to continue to procrastinate my Christmas shopping.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, with some of this online shopping, though, I've uh, I've been able to get a few good deals and get a jump on that. I recommend checking some of those out.
1: I'll have to do that too, Adam. Thanks.
0: So let's jump into it. We got a few stories here that, um, that we've covered before, but we have some updates on. So the first one I want to jump into is Dungeness Crab. We talked about how the season, it looked like it was potentially going to get going because the readings were coming back good. But now... It almost looks like we're seeing a little bit of delay again. Is this shades of last year, or should we not be as worried?
1: No, uh, we are delayed. Washington officials and Oregon officials decided to delay the start to the Dungeness Crab commercial fishery uh, that was supposed to start on December 1st. The reasons are similar to 2015. Uh, the problem is demolic acid levels again. However, it's not exactly like last year in that we're not seeing exceptionally high levels of the toxin in the waters or in the crabs. This delay is really, it's a precautionary approach to uh, the fisheries where state officials just wanted a bit more information about the acid levels in the crabs and in the waters before they allowed the commercial fishers to get going.
0: So you think this might just be an abundance of caution based on what happened last year? So not necessarily that we should be worried that we're going to see it again, just that people are being extra careful.
1: That's exactly what it is. It is merely a precautionary approach. They've actually ordered another round of testing to come through, which we're anticipating in the next week or so. At that point, the fishery officials will then make a determination if if they're going to start the fishery before the Christmas holiday. Uh, We're still waiting word. On another note, on a better note, uh, the California season did get going. Uh, I think we reported that already, and those crabs are starting to reach the markets now. They're starting to reach processors now, and we ran a report in seafoodnews.com that uh, said that processors and the fishermen had agreed to a $3 per pound dock price.
0: Okay, so you say the market implications of the fact that California is going, but the Upper West Coast season is not going, do you think that's going to lead to Higher prices at the start of the season? What are the implications of that?
1: Unclear right now. What we can tell you right now is there isn't going to be as much crab in the market this year because of the lack of Washington and Oregon product in the market. But compared to last year, now that you have California product in the market, there is a bit more crab available this time around. So you can kind of take that for what you will. We can report that the dock prices are at $3 per pound.
0: Very good. Alright, so we'll definitely continue to watch the crab market as those seasons hopefully get started in the next few weeks up in the Oregon and Washington area. Let's move on to lobster. Uh, We talked in the last show. I said, as we move into December, what are the markets you're watching? And lobster was one of the ones you mentioned. And now we have the lobster season. It looks like the fishing in Nova Scotia opened a little bit late.
1: Uh, A one-day delay to uh, the fishing season that was supposed to start uh, November 28th. Uh, It turns out it opened on November 29th. Uh, the reason for the delay was weather related. Uh, it was just a bout of inclement weather up in Nova Scotia in lobster fishing areas 33 and 34. Uh, those areas are the the most abundant regions for lobster fishing in Canada for this time of year. Uh, what's uh, What's funny about this fishery is th- this weather induced delay is not unusual for this fishery at all. It's very often that uh, dumping days. It's referred to the opening day of the of the Nova Scotia lobster season tends to get delayed because of bad weather up there
0: and they call it dumping day for people like me that don't go out on fish boats all the time i assume because they're dumping the cages into the water is that where that term comes? they call from? it
1: dumping day because of that reason and, and because they do it at a quick pace and uh sometimes it, it can get a little dangerous out there uh but that's exactly what it is the boats rush out there to dump all their traps in the water as quickly as they can
0: very cool so that's a definitely one of those trivia answers that May come in handy someday.
1: One hundred percent.
0: Okay. So another section that we've been talking about, we talked about the spread with Latin America and Asian shrimp in the last podcast. Do we have any updates in those markets?
1: Yes, uh, it, it seems that this is the story that never really wants to go away. Right now, uh, prices for twenty six thirty count shrimp, according to Erner Berry, are now falling. Uh, not just for Latin American product, but also now for Asian product. We had er- reported earlier that there was a you know a price gap between the Latin American and the Asian twenty six thirty count shrimp because of availability issues. Uh, it, at this point, what we're seeing in the market uh, is a is a bit of a downturn for not just the Latin American product, but also for the Asian product. Now, it does seem that there's that this this abundance of shrimp in the market, particularly the two point one percent increase in headless volumes for our latest data, is showing that this is probably starting to weigh on the market a little bit. We're also picking up uh, continued sluggish demand from uh, for for Ecuadorian shrimp, and now it looks like uh, the demand for Asian shrimp is is starting to to wane a little. bit bit as we head towards the Christmas season. What, what it does now, uh, what we're looking at is a very interesting dynamic in the, in the shrimp market for the first half of 2017. Even though U.S. demand for shrimp might pick up, buyers might actually get some pricing power over producers, which might make replacement costs not so firm going into the new year.
0: When you talk about the weak spot market versus replacement costs and how that's a strange dynamic. So are you talking about the replacement costs of farm shrimp in in these farms? Or what exactly do you mean by the higher replacement
1: costs? So the replacement costs are the, are, are the, the prices for the shrimp that importers or buyers have to pay the producers for. Those costs are going higher uh, in, in certain areas. And that is a good indicator for how the wholesale price in the U.S. market would trend. So obviously a buyer, an importer is going to have to purchase their shrimp and import it into the country from a producer. And then in order to make any kind of money on that shrimp, they're then going to have to, you know, set a price in the wholesale market to, you know, kind of find a margin there.
0: Interesting. So as the spot market moves down in a sort of backwardation, you're seeing replacement costs go up as an indicator potentially of what's going to happen in the future once we get rid of this flush of shrimp currently in the market. Is that correct?
1: Potentially. That's something that we might be be seeing right now. And we'll know more as as we get more, more import data.
0: Very good. And we're actually going to be talking about import data on the next show. The import data that we're going to talk about next week, there's a big report coming out next Tuesday. So it's not just shrimp, right? It's all different species. Tell us a little bit about that import data we're going to get next week.
1: That's right. So in addition to shrimp shipments, we're also going to be getting uh, all seafood import data from the U.S. Department of Commerce. It'll be available on Enerberry's Comtel and on foreign trade data. We're pegging a, a release date for Tuesday, uh, December 6th. When all this information should be available, it will be year to date shipments uh, through October that we'll have, uh, at which point, you know, it'll give us a good 10 months uh, idea of how waterborne shipments for all seafood commodities into the country have trended in 2016.
0: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I know the import data that comes out every month, a lot of people in the industry watch that, and we digest it on Comtel and also for foreign trade data subscribers into a bunch of monthly and quarterly insider's reports that go through all the spreadsheets of data and really give it to you in nice, digestible charts with a little bit of commentary from our market experts.
1: They're wonderful reports, and we highly encourage all of Werner Berry's subscribers to, to take a look at them.
0: So let's move on to today's top story. We're going to go back up to Alaska and we're going to talk about the pollock market. Now, pollock is an interesting fish because when it's stable, it could not move for a long time. Right. That's
1: that's correct. It's mostly the fish that's used in fish sandwiches, you know, at major fast food restaurant chains, and you know, your fish sticks and things like that. It's a very commonly used item
0: uh, in the industry. It's a high volume fishery, definitely. But it looks like we've been reporting some weakness in the market for pollock due to some different factors. So, what can you tell us about the weakness in that market?
1: Sure, uh, we ran a story this week on SeafoodNews.com that that did indicate uh, weakness in the pollock market mostly driven by a stronger dollar. Uh, we've had higher catches of the fish in Russia. And really, uh, there have been some lackluster markets for Pollock roe that have meant that the traditional Alaskan offshore sector that produces frozen at sea blocks and Surimi has been really struggling. Prices for Pollock blocks uh, shipped to Europe have also been dropping for the last four years is what we're seeing.
0: Interesting, interesting. And now at the same time, there's been some stock data coming out of the Bering Sea that, that shows the biomass is up. So, if the market is weak and the biomass is up, does that spell some trouble or continuing weakness in the market?
1: It's, it's really hard to gauge because we're seeing kind of uh, two sides of, of biomass data coming out of the state of Alaska right now. It's, it's fascinating data that we're seeing. We're seeing this huge catch for, or this huge biomass for pollock in the Bering Sea. But at the same time, Alaska manages the pollock fishery out of the Bering Sea under a very unique conservation uh, rule where only 2 million metric tons of any kind of groundfish biomass can come out of the Bering Sea. That isn't just limited to pollock. That can include cod. It can include sablefish. Uh, It includes all species of, of groundfish that are coming out. Of of that of that body of water, so really, uh, even though Alaska's carrying or or showing signs of a huge biomass of pollock in the Bering Sea, it's not likely we're going to see an an equal rise in the total allowable catch coming out of this
0: fishery. So it's interesting that with basically a flat quota out of the Bering Sea and increasing biomass, that we have a twenty five percent decline in pollock stock in the Gulf of Alaska. So. What does that mean for the ability to offset the increasing production in the Bering Sea if you have a quota in one sea but not in the Gulf of Alaska? And that's
1: what Seafood News wrote about uh, this week, was how the sharp decline in the pollock biomass in the Gulf of Alaska is very likely going to offset any kind of marginal or or any kind of increase in the Bering Sea uh, catch. Uh, In other words, because the, the Gulf of Alaska pollock biomass is down so sharply, there's going to be basically a, a zero net gain here in, in the poll coming out of the out of Alaska in 2017. Uh, the decline in the Gulf of Alaska, but the increase in the Bering Sea are likely just going to offset each other and kind of bring bring that fishery to a little bit of a balance here.
0: Well, that's definitely a really interesting dynamic in a sector of the market that, like I said, definitely gets some pretty regular activity. So we're going to continue to monitor that exciting story. And we're also going to talk about other markets every week here on Seafood News Roundtable.
1: Absolutely. you know, just wanted to make one little plug one more time. I know we talked about it last time. Uh, we are off. Seafood news is, is really churning out uh, these commodity specific newsletters. So seafood news subscribers can can read the, the latest Pollock coverage that we've had in, in this week's Pollock uh, commodity newsletter that we put out. Uh, this week, uh, to all our subscribers, this is a, a feature that's available to our premium customers, uh, and it's a we think it's a great tool to get some curated content for specific species.
0: Absolutely, and especially since we announced last week on the show, we have had a lot of interest from customers that want to make sure they're getting that curated content so they don't miss the top stories in their market. Mm-hmm. And all that is available with your Seafood News subscription, or for Comtel subscribers that get complimentary access to Seafood News. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks again for coming on the show, Mike. We always love having you on because it seems like you have your hand in just about every seafood market.
1: Well, we're trying to do our best to, to bring all the information to the, to the guys who are making these decisions.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're signing off for now. Be sure to tune in next week on your mobile device or any of the Erner Barry family of sites, including SeafoodNews.com, so that you listen to every podcast and get the top stories in every seafood market that we cover.